You're listening to the EU China podcast powered by the EU China Hub, straight from Brussels, a show on which we interview important actors in the EU China relations and cover the top EU China news. Our mission is to help you to get a more nuanced picture of what is going on in the EU China relations. My name is Greg Stetz and I'm happy to have you with us. If you like our show, don't forget to subscribe and to tell your friends about us. Let's get started. Hi, here comes the EU China news brief for February 12, 2020. In today's news, we cover coronavirus update, coronavirus and Europe reaction and impact, Europe responds to Huawei, Merix releases survey results on EU China relations in 2020, Europe plans to build industrial champions, Balkans EU China strategic membership criteria. We're catching up after a week-long break during which we set up our new website. Now you can enjoy easier access to the materials we mentioned. In the podcast version, we'll cover only the big picture. If you would like to get more in-depth information, read the news brief in a written format on our website, euchinahub.com. Enjoy! Coronavirus update. Updated numbers and status. The virus was officially named by WHO as coronavirus SARS-CoV-2, causing disease called COVID-19. As of 12th of February 2020, the number of confirmed cases in mainland China reached 44,653 with 1,113 deaths. In Europe, the number of confirmed cases reached 41, with no deaths confirmed. Here is the distribution. Germany, 14 cases. France, 11. UK, 8. Italy, 3. Spain, 2. Belgium, 1. Finland, 1. Sweden, 1. This data comes from the Situation Report by WHO. On January 30th, the WHO decided to declare coronavirus a public health emergency of international concern. As such, the case of coronavirus became the sixth disease outbreak to get such a status. The director of WHO, Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, stressed his belief in China's ability to solve the situation and called the travel and trade bans imposed on China excessive. However, on 11th of February, the director of WHO warned again not to underestimate the virus, which remains, quote, a grave threat, particularly as a vaccine may take 18 months to develop. Experts remain divided as to whether the spread of the virus has already peaked. According to data on Chinese media, the number of new cases has been going down over the last few days. Zhong Nanshan, an 83-year-old epidemiologist who helped to fight the 2003 SARS epidemic and who is currently government's senior medical advisor, estimates that the outbreak of the virus may finish in April. Praising and criticism. Chinese authorities have been praised by WHO for their rapid and decisive response to coronavirus threat. Another action which has been praised was the impressive speed with which two medical facilities, Huashenshan Hospital with 1,000 beds and Leishenshan Hospital with 1,600 beds, were constructed in Wuhan within just two weeks. However, stories contradicting the official narrative began to emerge. 
Taijing published an article, which quickly got censored, questioning the official statistics over misclassifying death causes and uncovering how only people admitted to the hospitals figure in the death statistics. Moreover, unofficial reporting circulated the web with videos of patients being kept in confinement without medical attention. Furthermore, discontent erupted after the death of Dr. Li Wenliang, who is called one of the initial whistleblowers. He was among eight doctors persecuted by the police for spreading rumors for sharing the information about the new disease during the very early days of the outbreak on a WeChat group with fellow doctors. He is now hailed a hero doctor who fell to the virus, but some would also see him as a victim of the more oppressive phase of China's political system. In general, the official line is that mistakes were made by local-level officials overhandling the initial phase of the virus's outbreak, and now the central government is coordinating an effective action. It is a narrative that is often used in China. Impact on Chinese economy The disruption to Chinese economy caused by the virus was shown by stocks falling around 9% in Shanghai and Shenzhen. This pushed the government to stimulate the economy through People's Bank of China injection of 1.7 trillion Chinese yuan, as well as special subsidies and tax reliefs. Consequently, the immediate impact on Chinese economy may be cushioned, but there may be mid-term effects due to supply chain disruption and further growth of debt on local level. Focus on a short-term perspective may be considerable given that the party has to achieve one of its century goals of building a moderately prosperous society by 2021 for the 100th anniversary of the foundation of the Communist Party of China. This goal is understood as doubling the 2010 levels of GDP per capita. And let us get back to you with one quick update here, because the numbers spiked on February 13th. After the authorities adjusted the diagnostic criteria to be broader, the number of confirmed cases spiked as over 15,000 new cases were linked to the coronavirus. The number of deaths also increased, but the overall death toll remains at around 2%. The numbers went up due to the better criteria for reporting rather than a dramatic change in the situation on the ground. Still, the psychological effect of this change should not be understated. Also keep in mind that the broader definition can make official Chinese data closer to reality. Coronavirus and Europe, Reaction and Impact EU's response In response to the coronavirus outbreak on January 28, the European Commission activated the EU Civil Protection Mechanism to coordinate the action of repatriating around 500 EU citizens from China. Moreover, the EU decided to devote 10 million euros from Horizon 2020 to research into the coronavirus. The EU also assisted China in procurement of 12 metric tons of medical supplies, answering the request of Premier Li Keqiang. Limitations on acquiring new Schengen visa for people who traveled in China in recent months were put in place and many of the European airlines, including Lufthansa and its subsidiaries, Air France or Lot Polish Airlines, were among more than 40 airlines that suspended flights to China. Some of the EU countries decided to block air connections with China altogether, as was decided by Italy with its ban until April 28 or by Czech Republic. However, we got to know directly from people who recently traveled back 
to one of those countries from China that they can still be reached relatively easily using connecting flights. Impact on EU-China relations The coronavirus outbreak can disrupt negotiations on EU-China comprehensive agreement on investment as the next round of negotiations was scheduled to take place between 4th and 6th of March in Beijing. That, together with the fact that the key negotiating issues remain unresolved, puts completing negotiations on comprehensive agreement on investment in 2020 into question. We have also seen examples of China-related events and meetings being cancelled in Brussels, in many cases over illogical fears related to the coronavirus. We also heard that the EU-China summit, which is to take place on 30 to 31st of March in Beijing, may be affected by the outbreak of the coronavirus, but it still remains to be seen. What is more, the non-essential operations of the European External Action Service in China have been suspended. Impact on EU economy The European businesses that are affected most profoundly at this stage are from tourism, luxury and automotive industries. The travel restrictions on Chinese tourists will impact especially popular destinations. Italy may lose up to 4.5 billion euros or 5% of its tourism income. In France, Chinese tourists make up 7% of tourists coming to the country, but account for a third of sales of luxury items. On the automotive market, the German car makers are expected to be hit particularly hard by the falling sales in China and disruption of production and supply chains. Troubling xenophobia Fears related to the outbreak of the coronavirus led to a disturbing rise in xenophobic incidents in Europe as many very wrongly connect the virus with ethnic background. In opposition to these tendencies in France and in Italy, social media campaigns I am not a virus were launched to counter the xenophobic sentiments. Europe's response to Huawei On 29th of January, the European Union released its long-awaited toolbox on 5G cybersecurity. The content was based on 5G security recommendations put together by member states and the European Union Agency for Cybersecurity, ENISA, from October last year. Neither Huawei nor ZTE, another Chinese provider, were mentioned by name in the toolbox, but it is clear that they are the high-risk suppliers that are connected to, quote, risk of interference by a third country or dependency risks, end of quote. The goal of the toolbox is to mitigate the cybersecurity risks related to rollout of 5G. It is to be achieved by providing member states with a framework for increasing national telecommunication cybersecurity standards and for increasing coordination among the member states and relevant actors on the cybersecurity issue. Most of EU countries still apply telecommunication regulations introduced in 2011. They have to be updated given the evolution of the technology and they have to be updated in a way that will make them more coherent on the European level. Suggested measures include diversification of equipment suppliers, limiting high-risk providers' access to sensitive parts of networks, as well as increasing security requirements for mobile network operators. Importantly, the toolbox also highlighted the Commission's role in investigating potential dumping cases in the sector, which may be aimed at Chinese companies. What is more, the toolbox also mentioned the EU's plans to develop its industrial policy tools with a goal of enhancing technological sovereignty of the bloc.
Another important point is developing EU-wide ICT certification scheme prepared by ENISA under the EU Cybersecurity Act from 2019, which also was mentioned in the toolbox. We talked about it a bit more in depth in our news brief from January 13th, so if you're interested in the topic, I highly recommend to check it out. The Commission expects member states to implement first measurable steps outlined in the toolbox by 30th of April 2020 and report to the Commission on their progress by the end of June. Naturally, the decision on how to tackle Huawei issue remains with the member states. But the toolbox provides a framework for a coordinated approach and, over time, converging European telecommunications security policies. It is however likely, as we argued back in 2019, that the EU member states at large will take an evidence-based, middle-ground approach of not banning Huawei while at the same time developing risk-mitigating mechanisms. The political and economic costs are simply too high for the European governments. The decision of member states on Huawei will have an important impact on negotiations of EU-China Comprehensive Agreement on Investments, as China clearly mentioned access to European markets for its technology companies as a key issue. Interestingly, in a move to boost Huawei's credibility in Europe, on 4th of February, Abraham Liu, Huawei's chief representative to the European Union institutions, announced that the company is planning to build manufacturing hubs in Europe to, quote, truly have 5G for Europe made in Europe, end of quote. We are yet to hear exact details regarding those plans, but bear in mind that Huawei already has 12 research centers on the European continent. An example of answering the Huawei question on the national level comes from UK. As a day before the EU toolbox got announced, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson made his decision on the issue. The United Kingdom will allow Huawei to participate in construction of its networks with exception of critical national infrastructure and military-related networks. Aside from that, the British government also introduced a requirement to limit the involvement of Huawei or other high-risk vendors' equipment down to the level of 35% in the networks. Over the past six months, the big four of the UK telecommunications scene, EE, Vodafone, O2 and 3, have already started 5G trials using Huawei's equipment, so they may need to downscale usage of the equipment to meet the new standards. Some mobile operators that don't rely on Huawei too much may decide to fully remove the equipment of the company, as shown in the case of Vodafone in the UK. Merix releases survey results on EU-China relations in 2020. On January 28th, Merix, leading China-focused European think tank based in Berlin, released the results of its China Forecast 2020 survey, which analyzed opinions of around 150 China experts and practitioners. According to the results, European experts expect deterioration of political relations and stability on economic relations, without much optimism for improvement though. The respondents are cautiously optimistic about building European unity through Leipzig Summit and would like to see the European Commission to lead on forming the United European Policy on China. A link to full Merix China Forecast 2020 is available on our website and I highly recommend you to check out this valuable resource. Europe plans to build industrial champions. 
In an unusual step, governments of France, Germany, Italy and Poland sent a letter to Commissioner for Competition, Margaret Vestager, urging her to quicken her work on revision of EU competition law, which she announced in December 2019. That came after Vestager's decision blocked merger between Alstom and Siemens, which could create a powerful global European player in the train sector, capable of competing with Chinese companies. Building a response to China plays an important role in the move by the four capitals as they call for a competition toolbox that would target market distortions caused by Chinese SOEs. This plays into a wider debate on Europe adjusting its industrial policies and competition regulations to become more competitive globally and address the challenge posed by Chinese companies on the domestic market. On a similar note, Germany and France are jointly working to establish an electric car battery factory capable of taking on China-based Tesla. The project is to cost 5 billion euros. Balkans, EU, China. Strategic membership criteria. A new basis for EU enlargement procedures for Western Balkans was proposed on February 5th in a joint communication issued by the European Commission. The new procedures are being developed following France's veto on initiation of talks with North Macedonia and Albania. Importantly, the new proposal includes the need to pursue, quote, strategic communication with the EU and be able to, quote, tackle malign third country influence. These vague concepts are interpreted by some as EU's attempt to curb China's influence in the Balkans. This would be in line with the overall trend for greater assertiveness that has been emerging since last EU-China summit in 2019. And that's it for this news brief. Once again, we recommend you to visit our website to get the full story. Over the next couple of news briefs, we will be working out the best way to connect the audio and written formats. Any comments from you are much appreciated. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the EU China podcast. If you want to know more or to get in touch with us, visit our website, which is euchinahubwrittenjointly.com. And if you find this show insightful, be sure to leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. It will help others to get to know about us. See you next time.